actually experienced the same thing, but we weren't as willing to give up. The history of this location included some possible missing people, a missing waitress that was never found. These spirits actually gave us locations on the property as to where, you know, possibly some things are actually there. We've interviewed local people. It all adds up 100%. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of Tony Lavorna's Legends and Lore podcast. So as we wind out of Pittsburgh, we head up towards old Route 62. There is a place in Venango County, Pennsylvania. We come to Oil City in Titusville. Now, Oil City was probably known chiefly for its initial exploration and development of the petroleum industry. But that was way back then and times change like all things and so do small towns. Tourism probably plays more of a prominent role in the area than its once rich oil heritage. But we're going to go on a small trip, you see, because that's not what I want to talk about today on the podcast, obviously. No, what I want to do is take you on a small journey. There in one of the homes, there's a small boy in his grandfather's den library reading various books. These books pique the interest of the small boy. He smiles, turning the pages, his eyes widening as he reads stories of ghosts, UFOs, and even Sasquatch. That young boy grows up to be the man, Rod Fee. At the same time, sits a beautiful young lady with dark hair, and she is going to become a Reiki master, dealing with all type of holistic medicine. Together, they're going to form a very interesting bond and co-found today's group and topic. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me the great pleasure to introduce to you today Rod Fee and Annette Holmes, the founder of TOPS. It stands for the Titusville Oil City Paranormal Society. Guys, welcome. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Thank you for having us. Thank you very much, Tony. You're very welcome, Rod. You're very welcome, Annette. We're excited to have you. And I'd like to jump right into a little bit about your history and the things that uh, you've probably encountered in your careers as both um, investigators and a part of this uh, paranormal society, okay? Absolutely. Now, how long have you been, well, or formed this organization? How long has it been? When did you get started? Formed officially in December of 2016. It has been uh, just a little over two years that we really hit the ground running right out of the gate. But of course, as you had already mentioned, it stems way back into our childhood. Well, sure. Let's take a little closer look at that and start there. Now, Annette, tell us a little bit about your history first. What, what, What made you decide to do this? Well, I realized I had a gift. Uh, very early on. I grew up in an Italian culture where superstitious people 
Uh, I grew up in, in the Pittsburgh area. And luckily, my parents and grandparents, you know, some of them also had the gift. So they um, encouraged me, you know, and I would come in and say, you know, I have a message from Uncle So-and-so or, you know, this I see this person standing here. Um, it was never questioned. It was just encouraged. And so I feel, I feel very lucky that I was able to do that. So I don't remember what it's like not to be involved in the paranormal, um, not to be, you know, have some kind of something going on around me. To me, this is just something that I've learned to work with over the years. Um, I've learned to accept it. I teach classes. I help others who, who need, you know, help learning and to deal with you know, their gifts, especially children. But I feel, even though I'm a medium and I have those abilities, I really feel the paranormal is where I'm supposed to be. Well, let's take a look at that, too. And we're going to get to you in a second, Rod. Tell our listeners, what, what is it like? Because you have to understand, most most people in this world, they haven't the abilities that you guys have as a gift. And, and let's talk about that a little bit. Would you consider yourself, would it be fair to say or call you a life coach to some of your friends and, and the people you meet? Absolutely. You know, I, I have find great joy in teaching classes, you know, learning from others as well. Um, you know, and I've also been involved in metaphysics for many years. So I feel I have a lot of knowledge to bring to the table. Plus, you know, just my life experiences as, you know, a medium and then getting involved in the paranormal. It's kind of cool because different people receive messages in different ways. And so sometimes I'll receive as a snapshot. Sometimes I actually see, you know, a full-bodied apparition. Sometimes I'll get, have a conversation with, you know, the other side um, through like a mental telepathy type thing. Sometimes it's in dream state if I receive messages. Um, I do do readings occasionally uh, for people, but um, sometimes a lot of it's energy work, you know, feeling a shift in energy in a location you know, a lot of it is me feeling out the energy of the room and, and what I'm even sensing energetically, not just, you know, using all of my senses. I will say this, I don't have the ability to usually hear, like as, a, as an audio, you know, like a voice say something to me. Right. Um, other people do, but I get, I have, you know, all the other senses, I guess I'm able to, you know, communicate with them. I did for the first time actually hear something that we caught later on audio that was pretty amazing. One of the claims we had. Um, so I was pretty excited about that. Um, but yeah, normally, you know, I get messages in all kinds of ways. You know, I feel very lucky to, to be able to do so. Truly. I mean, that is definitely, a, I, I would think a gift. I know some people may say, well, Tony, it's, it's also a burden in life because with these things become a, a certain level of responsibility that you feel, I'm sure when you're trying to, to help people. One of the things that interests me uh, was you said you are uh, a Reiki master. What, what yes. is that exactly? Reiki is actually, it's energetic work. And what it is, is it's kind of like hands-on healing. It goes way back to biblical times. And you basically use, you know, the hands-on positions and you use your energy and the person that you're working on energy. And it just kind of flows and it opens up the chakra systems. It's very healing. It's not anything that's dangerous. There's no kind of, you know, negative energy exchange. It's all very positive. Uh, folks, you can look up a lot of those things on the Internet. It uh, deals with uh, the body, the health of the body in different areas that can affect uh, your overall health. Would that be fair to say, Annette, a fair assessment? Yeah, it, it's no different from, 
like an acupuncture or an acupressure, you know, that kind of, you know, more of a old school type belief, you know, mm-hmm. in healing. Right. So. Correct. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine it, that that was, uh, is that uh, began or had its origins in the uh, Asian culture or? Yes. I believe it originated overseas there in Japan. Okay. And then it was brought to Hawaii. Right. And then it kind of just went across the world. Now, obviously, you know, I, I can't make any medical claims. You know, I'm not a doctor. Oh, absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. But it is it is something that works. And I originally got into it because I was very depressed and you know, just didn't want to get into taking medications because that, in sense, would dull my senses to what I do. Right, right. I get that. Um, Rod's actually a Reiki master as well. Yeah, I am as well a master. So and let's 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 go there, Rod. Let's let's start with you. So I I'm picturing in my mind's eye for the for the listeners today. You know this small happy boy. He's sitting in Grandpa's basement. He has the books. He's looking at these pictures of maybe um, UFOs and things. You know I I can relate to that as a man grown up because these things fascinated me as well as a boy. You know Leonard Nimoy doing in search of and. Of course, I grew up with a culture of comic books and universal monsters, but I was more fascinated with things that kind of came off of uh, the Insurgent program, you know, UFOs, Sasquatch. So tell us about who Rod was and how you got to where you are now. Well, well, as you had mentioned, of course, I would travel to my grandparents usually weekly. It was on usually Sunday uh, afternoons and we would have dinner there. And, you know, the whole family would, would get together. So I would have aunts and uncles and cousins. And, and uh, over time, I found my way into my grandfather's den, and he had all these fascinating books. Uh, I think they were like the Time, time Life series of books, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just, you know, full of all different kinds of paranormal subjects, you know, UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot strange phenomena that happened, you know, many, many, many years ago. And I was just fascinated by that. And as soon as I gravitated towards that and was hooked, it seemed like every Sunday I was in there wanting, you know, to either reread what I had already read or reading more. And, and he really took an interest to that because of course, you know, my grandfather had the same interest as I did. And I think he had those interests when he was a kid. You know, so he encouraged it. And of course, he would find another book or two here or there that he would allow me to read through. And and really, it just kind of took off from there. I always had that fascination going into early adulthood. I was more fascinated with ufology and got involved a little bit with MUFON. And then things slowed down. And, you know, I started a family and I really got away from it. And now as they're older and, and they're adults and doing things on their own, you know, I'm kind of getting back into the paranormal and we just decided that with our interests alike that we would form tops and see if we could help people. Absolutely. It's time to return to your calling here. Absolutely. Exactly. That, that's wonderful. I like to hear people who who have an opportunity to raise their children, love love what they do, but to come back to it because this is a very complicated world today, isn't it? And there are, certainly is. It, it truly is. Yeah, you know, there there are not college courses that you can go out and take, or you know, of course, there are books that people can read, but most people don't 
really have the ability to educate themselves well on this stuff and then get the, you know, gain the life experiences from it like we have. And I think that's the most rewarding part of it is, you know, being able to provide answers to, you know, some questions that people have as far as, you know, what's going on in my house or, you know, what is happening to me and why me and that kind of uh, a question that comes up often that we can you know, lend answers to. Well, how did the two of you come together to form the group? What was, was there some type of catalyst or an event that, that brought the two of you to, to form this group? Actually, it was, um, I would say the, the Reiki. Um, we, we both got started with um, a local group and found, I guess, or reconnected after many years of, of um, uh, going by from, from high school because we were very close in, in high school as far as age. But once we found that we shared the same interests, um, I, I really believe that, you know, we just started having conversation and, you know, one idea led to another. And we decided that we would put together, um, you know, with other like minded people, a, a group to uh, to go out and do some investigation in the paranormal realm. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm glad you did because uh, you do help people and it obviously has uh, manifested itself in the many people that do come to you folks for casework that you do. How many members do you have in your organization or group today? I think right now it varies. We have about 10 and we also include, um, you know, there there's a few paranormal groups in the Pittsburgh area that we consult, you know, so we include them as being part of our group. Like they include us as being part of their group. Sure. I could understand that. Normally there's at least four to five of us on a case at each time. If not, it would be just me and Rod uh, mainly. And a third, um, Lori is another medium on our team. A lot of times it's the three of us that do the end, you know, the initial end part of it, but it's nice that we have connections. Um, there was a case that we worked on for over a year and last summer we got together with the Sieges and Leah Madden and we just said, here's our stuff. Look at it. You know, we're kind of at a little bit of a point where we're unsure, but we're sure. And right. we never said a word to them. So they got the same conclusion. Mainly Terry and Leah were a big help with that. And that's going to be something we're going to collaborate with them um, here in the spring to finish the case and hopefully put some closure to this uh, business's issues for good anyway. Or for the time being, I think they're they're undecided. They're kind of uh, attached to their, you know, people that their spirits. So, right, sure, sure. Well, you know, I'd love to hear what what the end results of the case when when you feel you reach that point. I'm very interested to hear the uh, details. Well, it's to been that. An, yeah, it's been an interesting case. We are we were originally not the first team into this establishment. Okay. Um, the first team gave up after all their equipment failed from being in there. Oh, I hear that happens a lot. Paranormal investigators go through lots of batteries, I'm told. <laughs> right, right. So um, we actually experienced the same thing, but we weren't as willing to give up. Um, the history of this location um, included some possible missing people, a missing waitress that was never found. There was some local gossip about what happened to her, foul play, you know, maybe some um, wrongdoings in this business back in 1975 and through the 80s. And we actually got quite a bit using our phasma and using my intuition and, and things like that and just kind of getting history. I mean, we interviewed many, many people. So um, when we finish this, we'll definitely let you know the outcome. But we're pretty sure that these spirits actually gave us locations on the property. 
as to where, you know, possibly some things are actually there. So we're just kind of waiting until spring hits again to go back. And again, we're going to bring in some other uh, researchers to help us put an end to this case. I hope that the people can keep the establishment going. It's actually in Clarion County, but it has so many layers of stuff to us. It would probably take us an hour or more to even start with the things we found. But we've actually done the history. We've interviewed local people. It all adds up 100%. So... It's almost like we got into forensics by accident. Well, <laughs> well, that's fair. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Well, what equipment do you both like to utilize the most when you're conducting your investigations? Do you have uh, a certain set of devices that you prefer over other methods? Or, Well, yeah. Um, just to, to kind of um, sum up the way we do things as far as the way we head into an investigation um, we really look at it as two parts, Tony. So there's myself and usually, you know, I'll grab two or three other team members and we'll go into it from the technology side or from the equipment side. So as far as equipment that we will be using, we'll use SpiritBox, uh, which is a form of ITC or instrumental transcommunication. That seems to lend and bring a lot of evidence to the table and allows us to ask questions and get immediate answers from spirit. Uh, of course, we'll use the traditional like EMF readers and full spectrum cameras and infrared cameras and SLS cameras. And we've got a wide variety of equipment, some of it, which you can see on our website, but really it's, it, it just depends on each case, you know, as far as what we feel will be the most effective. Sure. Right tool for the right job. Exactly. I mean, it's it's nice to have a big toolbox, but you don't necessarily have to, you know, reach in and pull every tool out every time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of it is really the mediumship and intuition. And I'll, I'll allow Annette to explain a little bit as far as how she gathers her team members and what they do. Okay. Um, basically, what I like to do is I like to just as they set up, I'll go in and walk around. Um, Lori, our other medium, um, we separate. I don't talk to her. She doesn't talk to me. Um, we don't talk to the other team members. We kind of go in and see what we, you know, find and receive and can feel energetically in the whole nine yards. And her and I both receive messages differently, which makes it even better. But we always seem to find the same conclusions one way or the other. But we basically try not to find out anything if we can about the location and then we will put it together with what the other guys are doing with their equipment. Now, I'm not saying I won't pick up a piece of equipment because I, I'm a big fan of like the word banks and the phasma program. Um, although they don't like to always talk to me through the phasma, um, they will talk to me through a word bank and sometimes the spirit box, but Lori and I just kind of like to be on our own and, you know, we'll get together later on and put all of our stuff together um, we have meetings. We'll go through it. We might go through it several times. It's not like a TV show. You don't get in conclusion in 45 minutes. Right, right, right. It's not a series. <laughs> right. It takes us weeks to go through audio and video. And sometimes between Lori and I, we may receive messages before we get to a location. We might receive stuff after, you know, so it takes us a couple weeks to really settle into it and process it and then put it together and then eventually, you know, give uh, the reveal to whoever, um, whether it's a residential or a business or a historical location. So once Annette has finished with her team and, and they will 
come to their conclusions. Then there's my side of it on the technology side where we will do the same thing, you know, review our evidence. It's time consuming, as Annette had mentioned. Uh, we have, you know, audio to sit and go through, hours of audio, hours of video to watch. Then usually what we'll do is we'll compile our evidence, her team will compile their evidence, then we sit down, we round table, and we find out where the similarities are. And what mm -hmm. we like to think or call those would be our validations, you know, by validating the same conclusion to evidence that we both have gathered. I see, like finding the most common denominator between the cases or Correct. things. I see. Mm -hmm. So another thing we'll do is in between that, we might interview people, you know, after we have maybe like maybe we're halfway through our evidence, we might say, okay, we need to go back and we need to interview people or we need to go to the local library or historical society because we've gotten something, you know, we've gotten something from them that they want us to look into further. And a lot of times that's even like blueprints of a building. Um, the one investigation we were talking about in the Clarion County, we ended up getting not only to the library, we interviewed countless witnesses, but the blueprints of the building, this building was built in the 70s and the way it was built, it was almost like it was being built to be soundproof. There was so much concrete around these rooms at this inn and above the ceiling. And so we get into it even further than just, you know, what we are doing with our equipment. I mean, like I said, we end up, we go through everything we can go through. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of trying to bring as much evidence to the table that we can and facts so that we can use that. Um, you know, we've got some suspicion and we haven't really done a full reveal to, to the business owners to really go into great detail. And that's maybe something for a future show. But, you know, there, there are some unique things about that particular building or structure that we have a feeling may have lent to some of the foul play that took place there and that it was sort of pre-organized. Oh, boy. So, yeah, it's, it's a very unique, it's a very intriguing case, which actually kind of lends to maybe the next direction that we really feel that, that we would like to go. And that is perhaps maybe taking some cold cases, whether that would be missing people or um, perhaps a body that was found, but, you know, is a Jane or John Doe. Right. And really trying to lend what we do, you know, to, to that case to see if we can bring any additional evidence forward. Because what we're finding is, in spirit, they do like to tell their story and they do like to talk. And, you know, if there was some wrongdoing that took place at one time, uh, they want to tell us. Right. You know? Yeah, they kind of want to want you to know what they what they what they dealt with or what what happened. To them. Exactly. What their what their experiences were, perhaps what brought their death. That is just that just is always fascinating to me to uh, to talk to a paranormal investigator such as yourself, you know, in the cases. And I'll tell you, I, I definitely would love to hear more in the future from you folks again, um, if you'd be on the show again with us with some of these cases as they come to fruition. Right. And we definitely want to get you to um, come to Miller Farm. It's really one of the most haunted locations in the country, and it's really right in our backyard. So it would be nice to have you up sometime for an investigation if you're up for it. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a date, Annette. I'll take you up on that. Maybe we'll do okay. an on-site <laughs> on uh, investigation. That sounds like a, a date. Uh, that sounds good. I like that idea. It's a very unique place. It's, um, it's full of a lot of old history, 
and probably one of the most active places that we've investigated to date. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take you up on it because I've been to some different places in my journey over the years, and um, I never take down, I, n- I never turn down rather an opportunity to try to uh, learn more, to learn more from people and uh, places. Yeah, that's what it's all about. It really is. I mean, we, we certainly, we learn something new every investigation. Oh, absolutely. And that's part of the, uh, that's part, I think, of the lore itself of all of this in the understanding and perhaps uh, one of the most beneficial things of uh, trying to help people with some of these uh, of cases and things. Well, I'll tell you, you two have been fabulous today. And I'd like to give you an opportunity to kind of plug a little bit. Um, if there's a number or website you'd like to announce here on our, our podcast, if there's a way in which uh, people could get a hold of you, Rod, and that um, for, for tops or if they need to. So go ahead. Give us what information you have. I think the, the easiest way to find all of our contact points would be to visit us on, on the web. And our website is topsparanormal.com. And, uh, of course, from there, you know, they would be able to find our contact telephone numbers, email addresses. Uh, we actually have a uh, direct link where they can tell us a little bit about themselves and perhaps what, you know, what kind of a paranormal issue that they're experiencing. And it'll come directly to us in an email. Well, Rod, Annette, I thank you guys so much. You were wonderful guests and uh, we did learn a lot today. I hope to have you on again in the future, and let's take a road trip up there to the uh, Miller Farm. Absolutely. Yeah, Thank we you would love so to have much. you. Thank okay. you so much, Tony. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Tony Lavorna, for Tony Lavorna's Legends and Lore podcast. You are listening to a production of the Social Voice Podcast Network. This podcast is made possible through funding from the Rusty Gould Brewing Company. When people ask, hey, Tony, where do you go when you want to grab something to eat? When you're not chasing down ghosts, monsters, and things that go bump in the night? My answer is always the same, folks. I go down to Rusty Gould Brewing Company, 43 West Pike Street, Cannonsburg, PA. If you want a great meal, a great price, and a fun atmosphere, go down and see EJ at the Rusty Gold Brewing Company. They have wonderful hamburgers, french fries, hot wings, and they always pair it off with great shareables and IPAs. Some like the Widget Salesman, a great Irish stout, or perhaps you prefer the 1802 Cream Ale. But whatever you like, you're going to love it. So remember, Rusty Gold Brewing Company, 43 West Pike Street, Cannonsburg, PA. This concludes our broadcast.